15. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you for, for coming. My name is Aaron Friedman. I'm a partner solutions architect with AWS uh, covering our healthcare and life sciences ecosystem. Uh, today, I'm really honored to be joined by John Fisher of Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey and Adam Greenfield and Matt Ferrari of uh, one of our healthcare and life sciences competency partners, uh, Clear Data. And today, we're really going to be talking about how you can adopt this sort of microservices um, mindset in, in healthcare and how you can really build a, a, a compliant uh, pipeline on, on top of ECS. And I'll be giving the intro, and, and they'll be you know, really diving deep into the solution and how Horizon has realized these benefits by working with Clear Data. So one of the things that I hear a lot from customers is their appreciation that um, AWS's mindset and their mindset and healthcare align very well. And that is fundamentally security and compliance are job zero. If we can't protect patient data, nothing else matters. And the way that you know, uh, Lee Kim really articulates this well when he says healthcare institutions don't have the time and resources to devote to cybersecurity that an established cloud provider might have. And the way that AWS approaches this is, is multifaceted. And you know, first things first, we always listen to customers. We, we learn from all of our customers, whether you're in healthcare and life sciences, financial services, oil and gas, any type of regulated industry or non-regulated industry, we leverage those customer experiences and the, the security, can, um, security uh, challenges or opportunities that our customers face and really integrate that to make sure that the solutions that we build are even more secure for all of our customers. We align to over 50 global um, compliance attestations, uh, accreditations, um, and certifications. And right, we have teams that are working around the clock, 24-7, 365 days a year, to, to make sure that the security of the AWS cloud um, remains secure. And really foundational to this is our shared responsibility model for security. And the easiest way to think about this is AWS provides the security of the cloud, right? Things like our global infrastructure, our AWS regions, availability zones, points of presence, et cetera, as well as our you know, core services, right? If you think about compute, storage, database, networking, um, big data analytics, data warehousing, et cetera, AWS provides sort of that, that is responsible for that, that core fundamental security and then you, as the customer, you know, are responsible for building right the compliant applications or the secure applications where you're configuring your security groups to make sure, for example, that you, only the proper network traffic is going in and out. You establish the appropriate authorization authentication for your uh, applications through identity and access management. Um, sensitive data, of course, you can encrypt at rest, um, both with AWS-provided services as well as ones that you may bring. And you know, from the application stack up, um, you know, customers are responsible for, for fundamentally you know, configuring their applications to be secure. One of the great things, and you'll see this in a little bit, that our AWS partners do, such as Clear Data, is really serve as force multipliers or extensions of their security model. So while AWS provides security of the cloud, our, our partners can you know, take care, for example, of some of that network security for you. 
or some of that identity and access management and build on top of AWS and really extend um, the security posture. As I mentioned already, we align to myriad global frameworks, um, whether it's SOC or ISO 27001, or you know, aligning these services such that they can be used in HIPAA applications uh, for customers that sign BAAs with AWS, to you know, FedRAMP, to really, you know, we listen to customers, and if there is a um, security attestation or accreditation that is important to them, it is obviously important to us. And we work to, to be, um, you know, to have as many of these as possible as it then makes hopefully your jobs easier to build secure and compliant applications on the AWS cloud. And when I talk specifically, obviously this is a healthcare and life sciences um, pre-day. My guess is many of you are from uh, the US. You know, the HIPAA is a, uh, regulatory framework that comes up a lot in conversations. And one of the, the key things to, to take away, and I sort of alluded to this before, is we provide HIPAA-eligible services for any type of application. So whether it's compute and you're using Amazon EC2, if it's storage and archiving and you're using S3 or Glacier databases, whether it's Amazon Aurora or pick your flavor of RDS, whether it's MySQL, Oracle, or uh, SQL Server, or data warehousing with a Redshift, you really have the ability to, to use AWS services to store, process, and transmit PHI and remain you know, compliant under the AWS Business Associates addendum. I do want to mention you know, from the outset, one of the key takeaway points is you're not just constrained to those services that are HIPAA eligible. You, of course, can use any service as part of your application that may be addressing a healthcare need, but only using AWS HIPAA eligible services for the portions that store, process, and transmit PHI. And as I just alluded to, we have many different solutions that you, know, you can use to help reinforce your security posture. Whether it's something like the Amazon Virtual Private Cloud, the VPC, where you can effectively, you know, using software-defined controls, siphon off a private area of the AWS cloud for your applications. You can set up subnets that, for example, aren't accessible to the internet. You can do a bunch of things that really give you the ability to have that fine-grained network access control that, that you desire. You know, from a networking standpoint, of course, there are other services that complement this, whether it's our web application firewall, AWS Shield for DDoS protection, certificate manager for managing, for example, uh, encryption in transit, um, our wide variety of services that address encryption or identity and access management, such as our key management service, or AWS IAM, which is, you know, we see a lot of customers using IAM profiles and roles and policies to really make sure that their applications adhere to this, the, the secure principle of least privilege so that only the applications or the users that can access specific data um, are able to. And of course, along with this, one of the key components beyond sort of, you, say, the security and encryption of your data is understanding who can access your data, who's logging your data, or who's accessing your data and when, right? So we provide a wide set of services to help facilitate um, sort of this discovery and 
allow you to build sort of automated remediation or alerting should you need it. Services such as um, service catalog to you know, manage deployments, AWS config to track the configuration con uh, changes of your um, infrastructure, CloudTrail and CloudWatch for API logging and application logging, as well as things like Amazon Inspector for analyzing application security, or more recent one, AWS Artifact, which gives you actually the ability to go in download the AWS compliance reports and use them as part of your, your own, um, say, policies and procedures. One of the other really nice things about AWS Artifact is we've now made our business associates addendum available via the AWS Artifact to allow you guys to more quickly and easily spin up um, healthcare-related um, applications. And of course, the reason we're here today in a lot of cases is, is to hear from Horizon and Cleardata about how they are approaching security in the AWS cloud with a microservices mindset. And I like to think of microservices as a way that you can move fast but stay secure, right? This is sort of the holy grail. How can we move fast but make sure we're maintaining our security posture? And microservices address this in, in a bunch of ways. You know, you have, say, containers or functions that are isolated from each other. You have this decentralized infrastructure where all they really need to talk to each other, say, are APIs. The rest of it is treated as a black box. So what you're doing from the outset is you are lowering your blast radius. And if you should need to patch a portion of your application, rather than having to redeploy or you know, um, and retest in a very large monolithic stack, you only have to test that small component of your application, which is, allows you to patch and remain secure much more quickly. And because microservices do one thing well, and they are a, it's effectively right, a loosely coupled um, application architecture, you have this ability to iterate very, very rapidly. And you know, with, with that, I, I'd really like to hand it off to, to John as he begins to give you an introduction into Horizon, the challenges they faced, and, and how they've gone about addressing them on AWS. Aaron, thanks for the introduction. See if I can make this work. Here we go. So I'm John Fisher. I'm an enterprise architect with Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. I've been with the company for a little over 20 years in a variety of IT roles. Uh, we are the largest healthcare insurer in the state of New Jersey. We cover more than 3.8 million lives. Uh, we've been in business for 85 years. And since we process both state and federal uh, claims, Medicare, Medicaid, and things like that, we're bound by not just local regulations, but also by state, federal, and as we all know it, the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, affectionately known by some of you as HIPAA. So how we got here, I suspect like everyone else in the audience that you have a lot of internal systems, you have a lot of uh, platforms, you have a lot of partners, and that list of partners changes constantly. The list of standards that you have to follow, the list of regulations that you need to keep up with is always changing. In our case, we also have uh, made a large investment over the years in web services, but over time, those have become somewhat monolithic. We have a ton of business logic embedded in those, and what that means is it becomes very time consuming to make changes. We have to do regression testing on the entire uh, scope of that web service in order to make the simplest of changes, which really hurts our flexibility. And really, at the end of the day, the healthcare industry is moving from a very group-centric model to a consumer-centric model. So there's a bigger focus on patient and member engagement than there ever was before. So given that, 
looking at our company, looking at the industry, we came up with four key items that we needed to accomplish. Uh, the first one was faster onboarding. We really need to be able to bring on new partners, new systems in days or weeks instead of weeks or months like it takes right now. We need to rebuild our technology stack over time. As with every company, we've accumulated a fair amount of technical debt. We want to avoid that in the future, and we would like to really find ways to do things better, take advantage of newer technologies. Uh, we really need to move to a more agile environment. We've always been a very much waterfall-driven company. So in light of where the industry has gone, we're looking to be more agile to move to more of a DevOps model. And finally, integration. As you saw that partner ecosystem that I had up on the previous slide, we've spent tons of time integrating partners, and that changes constantly. As we try to be more consumer-focused, there's always a new partner, there's always a new medium, a new channel by which to talk to people, whether they're members or doctors or uh, patients. So we're always looking to be a little bit more agile in how we do those things. So I'd like to hand this over to uh, Adam Greenfield from Clear Data. Thanks. Thanks, John. Um, so who is Clear Data briefly? Um, Clear Data is a healthcare exclusive partner today. Um, so we work exclusively with folks in the healthcare and life sciences organizations to adopt public cloud. Um, we build that on top of a number of automation systems. We're going to get the chance to dive into a little bit today and actually use the same Amazon services that we were discussing earlier to build the security and compliance aspects of our own platform on top of AWS. Um, we operate under the HITRUST certification, so in addition to covering HIPAA and HITECH, HITRUST also pulls in aspects of various ISO certifications, as well as in newer versions with 9.1, starting to pull in things like FedRAMP as well. Um, we focus exclusively on the security and compliance of these environments to help organizations like Horizon adopt um, modern technologies built on top of things like microservices and containers in the way we're describing today. As part of that offering, last year at the HIMSS show, Clear Data announced a PHI capable container cluster that's built on top of Amazon's ECS product, and that really has served as the backbone of what we've been able to build with Horizon for this initial project. Um, we are a healthcare competency as well as life sciences competency and public sector services uh, partner for AWS today. Um, when we look at the responsibility model, similarly to the much newer, very prettier version that Aaron showed, we see things that, similarly to Amazon. It's very important when there's going to be multiple folks involved to describe what components of the stack lie within whose area of responsibility. So um, with the Amazon model here on the left, covering the security of the cloud in the way that we were talking about earlier, providing those secure building blocks, ClearData has assembled another, uh, a number of intellectual sets of intellectual property we built internally, as well as open source and commercial components to help customers manage further up that stack of responsibility. So we're able to cover system level components as well as interrogating the environment as it stands today with our dashboard to give you a feeling for how your Amazon workload complies with various technical security controls in real time and how those relate back to various compliance frameworks. Um, as we dig through some of these systems, we're gonna talk about the Amazon components we've used to build them out. But fundamentally, this is how we look at the responsibility model. Clear data can help cover a number of the areas of the stack where healthcare organizations don't build a lot of value for their business becoming experts in those areas. We've talked about the Amazon platform in general, and I think everybody in this room knows that that's changing incredibly quickly. And when we look at the number of regulatory and compliance obligations that many organizations deal with today, um, understanding how those changes impact your compliance posture is a very important part of doing business on top of these sorts of systems. Um, so this is a high-level diagram where we talk about some of the technology that underpins our ECS container offering. So in the front here, 
we come in through um, normal internet means from Amazon through elastic load balancers and actually spread out to a reverse proxy layer that we've deployed within the edge of the container cluster. So we operate our container clusters as auto-scaling groups spread across either two or three availability zones depending on the needs of the region. Um, and we can actually terminate all of the traffic from an SSL perspective coming into that cluster on the front end because we've actually built in an open source overlay network called Weave to provide transport layer security between all of the nodes, meaning that after traffic gets into that first layer of the cluster, we can distribute it across any of those microservices without needing to worry about terminating SSL at every microservice. As everyone who works with healthcare data is aware, it's very important to ensure the encryption of your data, not just at rest when we're storing it on disk, but also in transit. So that transport layer security provided by Weave in the center of that auto-scaling cluster provides a lot of benefit in terms of not having to manage those complexities on a container-by-container -container basis. Um, we build in and pull telemetry from all of the standard Amazon services that you would expect. So on the right-hand side, you can see us pulling data from CloudTrail, from Config, uh, also very importantly from CloudWatch events. Um, one of the things we're going to talk about with our cluster is in addition to using all of the standard telemetry that comes out of ECS natively, we also leverage and generate custom CloudWatch events as part of our platform to be able to feed that into an event processing pipeline that we use to uh, respond to changes that could impact security or compliance of the solution. Um, so after we pull all that telemetry in and build in some additional hardening into the nodes themselves, we have sort of the basis and the strong foundation to put secure workloads within the containerized environment. I mentioned that we have an event processing pipeline. So what you're seeing here on the slide is on the left. Um, we have a number of components that work in the account that actually contains the workload. So in the case of what we're talking about today, this would be the Horizon account where the microservice cluster is actually deployed. We actually pull in all that telemetry from ECS and from the nodes themselves using things like CloudWatch metrics um, and those custom CloudWatch events and we will pipe those through to a management account. So we have a centralized system that we've built using Kinesis and Lambda against that CloudWatch events interface to be able to respond in real time when we see nodes come in or out of the cluster. We can be aware of that from a scheduling perspective for all the managed services that we built into the environment. We can also look for quorum. So the, the Weave overlay network I mentioned does require um, an election between the nodes and the cluster. So they need to be able to communicate and we can determine when there's a, a fault within that cluster by looking at the CloudWatch events and telemetry coming out of the environment. We also build in HashiCorp's console for service discovery so that that proxy I mentioned on the front end knows where to route. Um, that also requires consensus that can be fed back through the system whenever we start to see an issue. Another important component of the stack is our dashboard. So in addition to the operational automation that we provide, we also have a specific view of security and compliance for that workload. Um, Matt's going to talk a little bit more about that at the end, but this fundamentally for us um, provides the basis for how we aggregate all of that information. Um, so we've built that largely with Lambda and ECS, using Lambda for many of our triggers and, and quick processing of events as they come in, um, and then actually using ECS to power some of the longer running jobs within the environment. So I wanted to talk through a little bit about how we do that today. Um, so we have a number of different sources of this information that we aggregate from CloudWatch, um, I mentioned TwistLock on the last slide briefly, but this is a commercial container security product that we've built into our ECS offering. Um, we also have customized internal APIs for things like CMDB, snapshot management, um, our machine image building process, and all of that can feed into the telemetry available to the dashboard system, generally speaking. Um, we have uh, massive Dynamo stores where we store records about um, the various configurations within the account and also the security and compliance metadata around those environments. 
And as we have to process through various things like large amounts of CloudWatch logs coming from the containers or from the systems themselves, we can do that using ECS tasks that run on the cluster using a batch processing style model. Um, throughout the system, we use Amazon SQS in a number of places to sort of intelligently allow us to deal with scaling up and scaling down these resources as customer environments scale up and scale down. One of the fundamental components of how we do security in the Amazon world is aligning around the cloud native models for um, flexibly enabling workloads to spin up, spin down, and leverage things like auto scaling to deal with capacity. Um, when we talked about folks in the insurance agency, obviously open enrollment is a huge concern here. You need to be able to massively scale systems up. And on the back end within clear data, systems like our dashboard need to be able to scale up to deal with that as well. So when we're getting a significantly large uh, amount of traffic or data for that environment, we need to be able to deal with that flexibly. And SQS provides us those points of indirection to be able to do that. Um, at the end of the day, we provide an API and ultimately represent these things in a portal to our customers. Um, but one of the nice components of all of the automation we've talked through today is at no point is the customer required to build for a clear data specific interface. We're able to build all of these dashboarding operational support systems where the customer's interface remains dealing directly with ECS, dealing directly with CloudWatch, so they don't have to be aware of a clear data specific layer and don't need to build for that. Really, you can use all the standardized tooling that's built in with that platform within the security and compliance constraints that we offer customers to really be able to leverage the best from a lot of these new evolving tools, whether you decide to use CloudFormation or another orchestration tool, irregardless of what config management engine you pick, we're able to hook into those components using the systems that we built out to really respond to changes in the environment in a dynamic model. And these sorts of processing architectures really give us the flexibility to deal with that workload when it's a 10 or 100 node cluster down to when it's a three to five node cluster. Um, so we're really able to leverage a lot of that telemetry. Now John's gonna come back and talk to you guys a little bit about the Horizon specific workload and what they're doing with microservices today on top of this platform. John? Thanks, Adam. So once we had figured out that we were going to deploy this on Amazon, once we had partnered with Clear Data and understood their security capabilities and what they could do to help us with this, uh, we came up with a five-step approach on how we were going to address that. And the first one was on, interesting. There we go. So the first one was around uh, API development and management tools. And in this case, we selected some pretty industry standard tools, uh, specifically things like um, Java and Spring Framework here. Uh, for cache and integration, we selected technologies along the lines of RabbitMQ and MongoDB and Elasticsearch. And we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the lessons learned at the end. There were some interesting things we found out there. Uh, the third thing we looked at was a DevOps stack, and here we went with very industry standard tools, things like Jenkins and Nexus and Amazon ECR. Uh, the fourth was hosting and platform. Obviously, having worked with Amazon and, and partnered with Clear Data, that was fairly straightforward, and had, we had a very quick ramp up in that area. And the key to all of this was really in the middle, the, the um, digital integration platform that we built, which really comprised a mix of on Amazon as well as connectivity back to on-premise. And that was a big deal for us. We have hundreds of web services we've developed and hundreds of systems that we have to integrate. And when we look at that, it really wasn't something that lent itself to a lift and shift. We weren't going to just rip and replace all of this in one fell swoop. We really looked at this being a multi-year migration of some of those services. So when we thought about it that way, we really were looking for a solution that allowed us to have both new APIs that lived in an Amazon world, but also have connectivity back to on-premises with, as we termed them, wrapped APIs. Um, API, uh, wrappers that could call back from ECS to an on-premise application or web service to retrieve data until we get to a point that we can migrate those fully to the cloud if, if that happens in the near future. So looking at that, 
we then looked at physical architecture. And here, we really were able to start with, as Adam mentioned, all of Clear Data's capabilities, right? We're starting with ECS at the core of all this. So, and I apologize to the folks on the left who can't see what I'm doing with the pointer. So, in the middle of all this, eventually, there we go. So in the middle of all this, the heart of it is those ECS nodes, right? We've set these up in, a, in an environment-specific VPC. We have both non-production and production for all of our test regions. We set those up across three availability zones following a very standard reference architecture. We have both public and private subnets. Um, as was alluded to earlier, we've looked for a design where the only infrastructure we put in a public subnet is a load balancer. We really don't want any other infrastructure deployed out there for security purposes. And we've built this so that it supports three different patterns. Uh, the first one would be API traffic. We have API traffic coming in from a third-party gateway, hitting an, ex an external ELB, uh, routing to the internal ECS cluster. And then from there, there's three different patterns we can follow. That traffic can go to um, RabbitMQ to talk across services. It can go to MongoDB for a data cache. Uh, it can call in the future to Elasticsearch. That's something we're working on now. And last, but certainly not least, it can also call back across uh, Direct Connect and VPN lines back to our data centers to call one of our internal web services or an internal data source. Um, the second pattern that we supported here was the ability to bring in logs. We've chosen Splunk as a log aggregation tool. And what we've set up is that all of our external partners, any of the software as a service applications that we have deployed, can feed us their Splunk logs securely. So the model we've taken there, very similar pattern, uh, external ELB internal, in the case of Splunk, heavyweight forwarders, uh, pumping data back to an on-premise uh, Splunk environment. And the final pattern there, and it's not well depicted here, but is for the bulk loads of data. We, as a, as given the nature of a lot of our legacy systems, we have a fair amount of things that process in batch. So when we look at that, we don't really have a, a capability there for real time. So the model we've taken there is we have our on-premise managed file transfer tools. Uh, they upload data to an S3 bucket that's been locked down appropriately. We have that trigger um, event notification to a Lambda function, which then routes that to an API, which then triggers the MongoDB data loads. Really, what we've wound up here is with single region high availability, we've spread, as Adam mentioned, ECS is spread across all of the availability zones. The MongoDB and RabbitMQ nodes are spread across two to three availability zones, depending on the criticality of the application. The uh, ELBs, and this is a great feature with basically a checkbox, is spread across multi-AZ, so that gets us uh, high redundancy there. And we're really using all of the base Amazon services as well, right? We're using CodTrail and CodWatch for monitoring, key management service for all of the encryption. Uh, we have S3 buckets for all of the log data. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. So obviously, having worked out the infrastructure, the other thing that was important to us was building out the DevOps capabilities we talked about. This follows a, what, again, I think is a fairly standard industry practice. Uh, we've got our developers writing code. As they commit it, it gets written to our source code repository. Uh, one of the improvements we get out of this is that we can immediately and continuously run uh, both code quality scans with tools like Checkmarks, uh, I'm sorry, Sonar, but also we can run security checks with tools like HP Fortify and uh, check marks. Uh, and that's great for us because that means we can ensure security is in t as part of the uh, process from the beginning, and we can t continue to check that as code is changed throughout the development lifecycle to make sure that nothing is drifted from that secure configuration. So based on checking in code and it passing those quality and security checks, uh, it's deployed to our uh, Nexus repository. Uh, the Docker registry is updated. The code is also deployed to our API portal. 
And then we have automated deployments that go out to our various VPCs over here on the bottom, depending on what, uh, what milestones have been passed, whether it's a development or an integration testing or performance testing environment. And really what we get out of this, which is a huge improvement, is down at the bottom, our build quality dashboards. We can understand in real time how the code quality is. Uh, we can look for continuous improvement. We can look to see if there are issues with the training or with the technologies we've used, with the way the frameworks have been deployed. And we can really look to see if there's ways to make the development work more smoothly. So lessons learned, and I mentioned this a little bit earlier. The first one is the AWS available services will be consumed quickly. When we originally laid out these reference architectures, we had six or eight Amazon services, and it looked pretty straightforward. Um, but both by turning our developers loose on it and then by our own exploration, and really driven by how easy it was to leverage all these services, uh, we've expanded. We, we're using at least 20 to 25 services and growing from there at this point. One of the key things here for us and this is what I mentioned as far as lessons learned, we were constrained in some of those services by what was HIPAA eligible at that point. And Amazon has made a huge leap forward over the last, I would say, six to 12 months with making services HIPAA eligible. Uh, there are certainly technologies, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. There are technologies that if we were designing them now, we would probably be using Amazon native services that weren't at that point in time compliant. So we could really have made our lives a little bit easier. We were constrained by the time frame we were doing it, but certainly the services Amazon offers now really are huge jumps forward in that, and they integrate very well together, obviously. Another huge lesson learned for us was that we partnered with our security team uh, from the very beginning. Our chief information security officer and his whole team have been engaged from day one on the project. We've also had representatives from our data center team and our development teams engaged from the beginning. And where this really makes a difference with this many new technologies, this many new paradigms, and, and this huge amount of process change that we're bringing in is that they're involved from the beginning. They're asking questions. They're looking for ways to improve the process. They're pointing out where, where there are things that need to be clarified, operational processes, uh, support contracts, things like that. And what that really got us is that as we got closer to go live uh, on this project or on the first phase of this project, uh, we really didn't have a huge burden to turn over those technologies. It was very well understood. Teams had been involved in the beginning. They had worked on troubleshooting. They really understood what they were taking responsibility for. The third one I'll mention is level of effort when we have to own engineering and security. Um, as I know, Aaron mentioned and Adam and I'm sure Matt will mention later, the Amazon native services are heavily engineered. They have a much bigger team than anything we could ever hope to deploy ourselves. The places where we had to go outside of the Amazon service offerings were challenging for us. Uh, things like our data caches where at the time we were designing them weren't HIPAA eligible. We had to take on a lot of engineering effort. We had to bring up support contracts. We had to do a ton of additional work here to be able to use services um, and where we really had to understand them, right? We had to own high availability, we had to own performance, we had to own ongoing tuning and patching and maintenance and all those pieces where if we could have used Amazon native services at those points, we really could have moved quicker and we could have connected them more quickly. Um, I don't think we have to talk about it too much here, but it certainly takes a little bit more work. We're moving into a, a multi-region DR design for 2018. Right now, we're running high availability within a single region. We're really looking to add a geographic, uh, geographically dispersed DR capability that we've never had on premises. It certainly can be done. The Amazon documentation for these things is great. Um, where we've added in third-party tools, we certainly have some additional work to do there that, that makes this a little bit harder than we'd like it. 
but you do need to think about things like which services support multi-region. You do need to look at things like uh, recovery point and recovery time objectives and really understand how this works in a, in a highly available environment. And the last thing I'd mention, and this was something that I think worked to our benefit, wherever possible, you should really try to use the tools and processes that you have on-premise. There's certainly things that don't scale to the cloud as easily as you'd like them to from your, from your on-premise tooling. But when we looked at things like our capacity processes or our security scanning processes, it was a lot easier to take the process that we had and tweak it a little bit to incorporate Amazon infrastructure or Amazon security practices than it ever would have been to build those from scratch. So wherever we could, we leveraged the tools that we had in front of us to try to get a, a quicker migration to the cloud. And last, so what's next? Well, I'm happy to say when I was writing these slides a month or two back, I couldn't have said this, but I'm happy to say that as of about a month ago, we are live on Amazon with our first PHI workloads, which was a great accomplishment. And there's folks in the room and as well as back at Horizon that put in months of work to get this done. And the Clear Data team was a great support for all this. And Amazon, as the underlying technology, everything worked as we wanted it to. So I'm very happy to say that. As far as what we're looking at next, we're looking at enterprise content management. We have a whole collection of on-premise systems that do different pieces of this, and we're really looking to consolidate those and move to an AWS-hosted environment. Uh, Amazon and, and capacity on demand and things like that really lend themselves to big data. We have multiple POCs in progress right now. We're looking at migrating legacy systems, and again, that hybrid architecture we talked about where we don't have to do these big bang, you know, rip and replace everything you've built and move it all at once when we can move pieces of functionality or a specific set of APIs and then come back later and move it as you get more and more of a contained piece that can then be dealt with in, in a pass instead of having to deal with your entire application landscape at one time. That, that's a huge thing. And as I mentioned, multi-region DR, we're really looking to add a capability here that we haven't had before on-premise. So I think we can leverage the technologies that are there. And we're looking at, obviously, a ton of Amazon tools, Route 53, um, as really the big one for us uh, to be able to get that true global failover capability. And with that, I'm going to hand it back to Matt Ferrari. Thanks, John. So how many of those in the room, how many of you guys work in healthcare? Would you guys mind participating? Thank you for waking up. It's a big, big cross-section for those of you who are watching the video. You have a really important job. You're protecting patient lives and patient data. You're protecting PHI. And John, John alluded to it. Amazon's done an amazing job, from my purview, at adding new services for HIPAA eligibility over the last year. I get to work with Aaron on a day-to-day -day basis and t talk to him about what transformative solutions, like the ones Horizon are, are putting into market, are health organizations trying to do with cloud? And how can we take some of the AWS services that are coming out pretty much near real time now and make them able to actually protect patient lives? And that's become our commitment. As we think about clear data, I was on this stage, probably not in this room, but they all look the same. This time last year. And I, and I was talking a lot about our container launch and our, uh, our dashboard, our compliance dashboard, which shows red, yellow, green, what is the commitment or how compliant am I against regulations, whether it's GXP or GMP or HIPAA, various interpretations, all based off of clear data's interpretation and high trust and other, other regulator, regulatory concerns. Well, what we've done now is we've kind of taken it to the next level. So on the backs of organizations like Horizon 
Clear Data has now taken our dashboard and we've made it a SaaS product. So now you can actually subscribe in limited availability through the AWS Marketplace to actually spin up the ability to have a compliance dashboard in your own VPC, in your own AWS account, without any managed services. Clearly, Clear Data focuses on automation, on DevOps, on ECS, on containers, all of those wonderful things. But the truth is, for those of you who raise your hands, you're probably in a different state of maturity than, the, than, than your neighbor in regards to your AWS journey, in regards to protecting PHI, not just in consuming AWS services, but the commitment to keep them compliant all of the time. It became very important to Clear Data as we started working with larger enterprise customers such as Horizon to be able to slice and dice the VPCs and the responsibility model that Adam alluded to earlier and Aaron alluded to earlier. To be able to actually show near real time, red, yellow, green, inside of your AWS environment, am I compliant? As it relates to microservices and ECS, this actually shows the ability to look inside of a container cluster as well. To be able to show a, through alerting as well as through a dashboard, near real time, exactly what is going on inside of your environment as it relates to HIPAA. So really excited that we have announced this. this is, the product is called C2. It lives inside of the AWS Marketplace in limited availability today. We'll probably GA it over the next couple of months. Thanks to Horizon and, and other folks, we'll continue to iterate on it as we go. As we close, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for those of you guys who came out today. Uh, it's exciting to talk on Industry Day. It's exciting to talk at healthcare-specific events. When I started coming to reInvent a couple years ago, this room wouldn't have been possible. So with that, I will pause and, uh, and answer any questions that anyone in the audience has.